Welcome to the LIPN Podcast, brought to you by the members of the Long Island Professional Network, where business professionals come to grow. Between the occasional hurricane and a region that's filled with aging homes, Long Islanders regularly have to deal with one form of water damage or another. I'm Meryl Loeschner, marketing consultant and podcast producer with Smith Douglas Associates. Today, I reached out through the Long Island Professional Network to Phil DePaul of the United Water Restoration Group of Long Island. We spoke about what causes water damage, what happens if you ignore it, and some of the things that you can do to prevent it happening in the first place. Thanks for joining us today. Especially on Long Island, we get storms. There's usually water damage, but hurricanes don't happen all the time. What are other causes of water damage here on Long Island? Water damage doesn't always have to be from some catastrophic event. It can be from the silliest little thing. God bless Long Island, right? But these houses, as as many new constructions there are going out there, there are way more homes that are 50, 75, 100 plus years old. And inside those walls and ceilings, uh, at any time, anything could happen. From a leaking plumbing line to a foundation issue, it could be from your roof. And if you don't catch it in a timely manner, a water, a small water leak can turn into a large water loss. Right. So it also could be driving rain and even fire. Most people don't think of water when it comes to fire. It's funny that you mention that because, yeah, fire is where it starts, but water is usually where a fire ends. The damage caused by the, by the extinguishing of a fire can sometimes appear greater than the fire itself. During Sandy, my brother-in-law's mother got flooded, and she wasn't near the sound or the ocean. She was across the street from a duck pond, and the wind was so high it pushed the duck pond across the road and into the first floor of her house. Isn't that something when the unimaginable becomes reality? And, and that's what's pretty wild about this business and this, this industry is that at any moment, at any time, due to some stuff that you didn't even dream up, uh, and sometimes it's very, very hard to find what the cause is. With a storm, with, a, with an event like that, with some sort of catastrophic natural disaster, yeah, some wild things could happen. But again, most of the time, it's the basic elementary, something's leaking from a small spot. and The hot water heater bottoms out and floods. I, I have dealt with that. Oh, the joys, joy of ice dams. You get some fun water damage that way. Absolutely. What are some of the things I should do right after I realize damage? Admittedly, if there's a tsunami, that's one thing. But if I look up at the ceiling and see a mysterious stain... What's the first thing I should do? So timing is everything. If you see that there's some new water staining on a wall or a ceiling that wasn't there before, to the touch or to the appearance you see that it is, that there is clear moisture there, that's sometimes less obvious than is a puddle of water or a basement where you have to wear your galoshes to get through and see what's going on. So to answer your question, what should you do? You have to get rid of the easy water first. All that standing water, you have to take quick action. And the reason why you want to take quick action is because the longer that it sits, 
it, think of it as a cumulative problem. So it is, it becomes exponentially more destructive as that water seeps into more and more of your building materials. What do I mean by building materials? I'm talking about your drywall, your carpeting, your even your laminate flooring, your wood flooring, uh, the insulation inside of your walls, the framing, the wood framing that's behind those walls. What happens is moisture starts to saturate all of those elements, those fundamental structural components of the building. And for some of them, there's no coming back. They can never be effectively dried and they will have to be removed as part of the restoration process. So the best thing that you could do is to mitigate the problem, find out the source, try to cut it off at, it, at its pass. If it is a, for instance, if it is a, a water supply issue, if you spring a leak in a line, shut that water down, find the nearest valve. If you don't know where it is, shut your main off and work backwards from there. Well, can, can I clean up the mess myself? You could grab the mop, <laughs> grab the shop vac. However, if it's large enough, you won't have the household equipment or the energy or the desire to clean it up yourself. And that's when you're going to need to, to bring in some of the, the certified pros to bring the dehumidification devices and the air movement devices uh, after that standing water is extracted. Uh, let them come in and assess the level of moisture. They'll take some meter readings and they'll go through and figure out how many rooms, how, how vast is the damage. So by all means, go for it yourself, but understand that it's the water that you can't see that often does the most harm. Where would that water be? What are some of the things I might miss if I try to do this myself? Well, take, for instance, your flooring, right? So if you push a mop across it and it looks like you just cleaned the floor, and then a couple of days later you realize that your wood flooring is starting to cup or to buckle or to warp, that's because it's just waterlocked. And as the water infiltrates through that floor, it pools underneath. You probably have a, a membrane a, or some padding underneath where the moisture is getting trapped and it's never going to be removed unless some advanced drying techniques are applied or if necessary, that flooring is removed and replaced. So my Bed Bath & Beyond dehumidifier is not gonna cut it. <laughs> it may be good for maintaining a, a 10 by 10 room, in, you know, from, uh, from becoming unbearable in those summer months, but it will not be removing enough moisture from the atmosphere to do enough good for you uh, after a large water event. When dealing with the flood, i.e. you've got a foot of water in your first floor, what sort of things can be salvaged and what sort of things need to be tossed? Uh, very good question. Anything that is porous versus non-porous is the starting point for that answer. So porous materials think of really like a sponge. <laughs> they, they take that moisture in and they don't want to let it go. I talked earlier about building materials. Building materials that are porous, they cannot be salvaged. There's no way to effectively remove all of the moisture, they must go. When it comes to your contents, the same rules apply. If you have your uh, holiday ornaments inside of a, a big Rubbermaid tub and no water penetrated it, guess what? <laughs> They're gonna last. If you're in a cardboard box, odds are whatever's inside of there, if we're talking clothing, garments, that nature, if you don't 
effectively dry them out, then they are going to get one of those nasty odors <laughs> that you'd like to avoid. There's some specialty dry cleaning for some of the more adversely affected personal belongings and apparel. It should also be stated that all water is not created equal. Yeah, I've heard. What is the phrase black water I've heard? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so think of it as there's water that comes out of a faucet. It's what we'd call category one water. It's clean water. Uh, however, once your clean water touches something that you wouldn't put your mouth to, it becomes category two water. Uh, and that's what we call gray water. And it can have any level of reasonable dirt or schmutz <laughs> to, uh, that would make it something less than drinkable. But when we talk about, as you said, the dark water, the black water, the category three, the ugly stuff, I think... You know, you know what we're talking about. We're either talking about pure wastewater, sewage, something that you don't want to have anything to mess with. Uh, it might be from a sewer backup. Uh, you also, you may not realize, but flood water is, if it is external water, uh, exterior water that has infiltrated your structure, that is category three water because the, the living organisms that exist outside once the water has been polluted with anything, chemicals, fecal matter from, from creatures that live in the neighborhood, that is fully compromised water. So again, even a small water damage with the right or wrong kind of water will have more adverse effects than, uh, than your basic spilling a, a cup of buck or a bucket of water from your sink or slop sink. Usually when people think of water damage, they think of mold as well. What different kinds of mold are out there and what do we do with it? So without getting scientific, I am a New York State licensed mold remediation contractor. I will not make a, a claim to, to be licensed to tell you 100% whether you have mold or not. When you see some highly suspect fungal activity going on in an environment, uh, we know exactly how to handle it, but we'd rather not handle it. You'd rather prevent it in the first place. So when you talk about the different types of mold, there's no mold indoors that's good mold, but there are some molds that are worse than others. And only through sampling and testing are you going to know which is which, unless you've seen hundreds of cases and, and you'll get a sense for what is the, the black mold, as we're all, we all love to fear. And it is true, uh, your indoor air quality and your overall health can, can significantly be affected by poor moisture control, which was originally probably attributed to some form of water damage that went, un, went untreated uh, for a period of time. So when we talk about time being of the essence when it comes to mitigating water damage, the biggest reason is to prevent microbial growth. And that can happen as soon as 24 to 48 hours after a water event. So, you know, pointing back to your question earlier, it is essential to take quick action. And there is easy water and there is hard water. Easy water, it's what you can see. It's the, the difficult water is the stuff that you can't, but it comes back to haunt you in the long run. After a flood or after water damage, how long does the restoration process take? 
So the restoration process could be as few as three or four days to a week. It really depends upon, number one, the overall extent of the damage. How many rooms, how many floors, how much of it can be dried in place versus how much can be demolished. And the process starts with an overall assessment. Our organization, we come out, we'll do free moisture assessments for you all day long to give you an idea of the extent of the damage and what the what the process would look like to to mitigate it effectively. The key is to you have to manage the humidity and you have to create some warm air movement. By doing so, you will create the environment for the drying process to begin. Uh, now, when we talk about what starts the process, it's who's footing the bill, right? It's always it's always about the green. So, does insurance? cover all the repairs you have to do or just some of it? So insurance will likely cover all of the damage that's caused by a qualifying water loss. And with that, they will send an adjuster out and we will work together with them to make sure that we are staying inside of industry standards and following all protocols. And we will agree on the scope of the work to be completed, what is going to be dried, how much equipment, for how long, what items are going to be removed and replaced. And that is, that is how we facilitate that process for you. Do you work with both homeowners insurance and FEMA, depending on the source of the flood? We do. We will work with any insurance carrier that, uh, that covers the, the loss event and take it from there. Just looking around my house, what are some things I could do to prevent water damage happening in the first place? Now, you can't always stop the tsunami, but what basic things can I do to stop small water damage? Well, that's the right approach because, number one, your insurance carrier is always going to want to make sure that you are maintaining your investment and your property. If there is any element of neglect or deferred maintenance, be careful because then if you put in a claim after knowing that something's gone wrong for a long period of time and hasn't been addressed properly, it will not bode well for your claim. What should you do to prevent more damage? Something as simple as look underneath your sinks, look behind your toilets, look at your, your dishwasher supply hoses and your washing machines because those little flexible guys that make it easy to to maneuver and store your your Lysol and and get that shirt that fell behind your your laundry station those little guys are highly susceptible to running out of their usable life and you usually find out when it's too late so if you make it part of your annual checkup on your home just like cleaning your gutters if you don't clean out your gutters you're going to build up dams. Your water is going to find other places to go. Just remember, water is always attacking your home from the outside and from the inside. Those, those copper pipes, they're pinhole leaks waiting to happen. If you have drop ceilings, sometimes take a peek inside of them. Move some of those ceiling tiles. See if, if you get those brown spots. Don't wait until the whole ceiling collapses. Get up in there. Call one of your, your local professionals to come take a look at it and make the necessary repairs. If I'm house hunting, what are some of the things I should be looking at 
to possibly see if there's any water damage in a, a house or an office I'm planning to purchase? Well, a prudent decision would be to hire a local licensed home inspector, first of all, to do a comprehensive evaluation. But the you want to look at the problem areas. Those problem areas are basements. Basements are big underground bathtubs. So you want to look around the perimeter of any basements. If they are finished, you're looking for any signs of staining, discoloration, any odors. Go towards water sources. Look at the hot water heater, the boiler, any other mechanical equipment that is inside the home, whether it be in that lowest level or in another area, because those are those are areas where steam, condensation, all these things can live. You look up, down, left, right, and if there's anything that common sense tells you shouldn't be there, then you want to ask your questions or consult a professional. The attic is another place that you might not think of, but you want to look up there because your your roof cladding is the biggest deterrent from from rainwater entering your home and could be another sign. What sort of licenses and certificates does your team need to do their job? So our team is fully licensed here in Long Island, Suffolk County, Nassau County, licensed with the New York State Department of Labor as mold remediation contractors. Each one of my mold remediation technicians carries their own individual license. We are also accredited IICRC certified firm comprised of certified water damage, fire damage, mold remediation technicians. How did you get in this business? Uh, Ironically, I was in the disaster recovery business before this uh, for many, many years as a result of Hurricane Sandy and the damage it did to New York State, primarily the south shore of Long Island out here. And I represented the governor's office of storm recovery in the New York rising housing recovery effort, helped homeowners get back on their feet with some financial assistance from our government. And we administered the program that helped them bounce back. And it's, it was a bounce back was a, it was a slow bounce. Uh, and, and some of our listeners might even be intimately familiar with some of the, the painstaking details. But nonetheless, uh, I like to think that we did some good work there and helped some, some good local people get back to as much normalcy as possible after their home was hit with as much as eight feet of flood water that just took their life as they knew it and, uh, and changed it forever. So, so after being a part of that and so many stories that, you'll, that I'll never forget, it seemed like a, a good segue. Being an entrepreneur, always looking for, for my, my venture into business on my own. This was the closest thing I could do to you know, wearing a cape and coming in to the rescue when people need it uh, in a time that they need it most. So 24-7, 365, it's hard to think of another opportunity where people are in need that you could be of service. Tell me some stories. What are some clients that you've helped over the past years? Oh, you want the, the nitty gritty, huh? <laughs> uh, well, as, as recently as a few weeks ago, we walked into a home for what we thought was water damage on the main level. We're preferred vendors through some insurance programs. So they call us in when one of their insurance is in need and we show up and lo and behold, there's compromised wood flooring on the main level, but there's no sign of water coming from above. So 
naturally we head down into the basement. And I should mention that unfortunately the homeowner suffers from issues that have left her bedridden and thus she hasn't been down in the basement throughout the summer. And we had a hot, steamy, humid summer. And unfortunately her hot water heater started leaking. So between the hot water and the steam and the heat and the humidity, it was like walking into a Louisiana swamp, I'd say. Walls, floors, ceilings crumbling, dripping, and covered in mold, in, in growth that just something I've never seen before. And that's, and that's this industry, is you never know what you're going to walk into on any given moment. So what did we do? We documented it. We reported back. We've worked closely for several weeks with the insurance company to get her hot water heater repaired to ensure that the coverage in her policy is upheld and that remediation project is now underway and it is one of the larger ones that we've had in recent memory. So to give you an idea of what happens when your water, your simple water damage goes unresolved is that it could turn into a very ugly, musty situation. I'm assuming besides regular hurricane storm damage, do you deal with rain damage? Tree folds down, takes out part of the roof, rain gets in. Had one of those a couple of months ago from the, the storms that happened. Tree came right through the roof. You hear scary stories. I mean, it was within a couple of feet of the homeowner's daughter's bed where she was sleeping when this happened. And yet there are specialty companies that come in, they'll remove the tree, but <laughs> there's a lot more damage that needs to be addressed. So the infiltration of water from damaged roof can be pretty severe. And we are no newcomers to such situations. How could people contact you to learn more about you, what you do, and how you can help? Call us 24-7-631-494-4764, www.unitedliny.com. We're on social. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. Look us up on Google, Home Advisor. I think you'll see that... uh, that people are saying some some good things about the work done by United Water Restoration of Long Island. We're here, sir. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the LIPN Podcast, brought to you by the Long Island Professional Network and produced by Smith Douglas Associates. To learn more about the LIPN, visit our website at lipn.org or join our meetup under Long Island Professional Network.